somehow we lost a podcast. It was a pretty bad one, only three of us, no special guest. It was 40 minutes long, not much to talk about. It's for the best loss. So here's the full Maxwell Adams interview the creator of Billy and Mandy recorded in 2013. It was lost because YouTube deleted my archive taxi channel. Thanks to Zenu Zenu for preserving this. This interview was to promote Dead Meat, an R-rated puppet web series Kickstarter that was cancelled and is planned to be refunded. A lot of legal loopholes cancelled that project. But anyway, stay tuned later this month where I review Hotel Transylvania's trilogy and also Billy and Mandy. But first... We'll be right back with more of tonight's brand new episode of Billy and Mandy right here on Fridays. But first, this podcast is supported by $100 donators on Patreon who like to promote Magical Heroines, a webcomic on tapas.com. Whether you love or hate anime, it's about a middle schooler forced to join a magical girl gang and beat the shit out of people because she was told to. It's Magical Heroines. Read it on the links below at tapas.com. Our next donator is by Idealix with their own webcomic, Loose Cannon. It's about a young bounty hunter girl in the Old West and ends up on the wrong side of the law. Links to that below on Webtoon. Hey, let's get back to that brand new Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. This show's really great around this time of year. What, around Halloween? Funny, <laughs> Kara. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're funny. What? Well, anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, uh... I'm Maxwell Adams, the creator of Cartoon Network's Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah, so what was the inspiration for Billy and Mandy? Uh, I think it all kind of came from my childhood uh, fascination with monsters and just sort of freaky stuff and the occult. Uh, I was just always sort of frightened of that stuff as a kid and and fascinated at the same time, so I just got into that and... Uh, when Cartoon Network was looking for shows to pitch, uh, I had done a film in college uh, that was just called Billy and Mandy, and it had Billy and Mandy in it. Uh, and they were Billy was actually drilling a hole in his head to let his uh, his inner demons out, and so it was super gory and sort of weird, and uh, you know completely inappropriate for Cartoon Network. So uh, when it came time to pitch for that. Uh, I felt like Billy and Mandy were fun characters, but there was something missing, and that turned out to be grim. And it just sort of went from there. Do you still have that film? Uh, yeah, it's it's actually on film in my closet, uh, and I have no way to watch it, but I should probably get that transferred at some point. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be weird to see like a, like early footage of like Billy and Mandy before the actual show, but it's more raunchier. Uh, not even well, I, it's sort of bloody, but not really yeah, bloody, raunchy, I guess. But but uh, yeah, they don't look anything, anything like they uh, they did in the series. Especially Mandy, she looked completely different. Mm-hmm. How did you pitch a children's show with the Grim Reaper? Uh, that you know, I think it was just naivete on my part. Uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, I kind of you know came into town and I was excited to pitch shows, so I just started pitching stuff that I thought was cool, and I you know I didn't really have any concept of what was appropriate or not. And fortunately, somebody at Cartoon Network decided that was a good idea. I don't know how it happened, but I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> and where did uh, Evil Concarne come from when you bundled them together? Uh, they, the way uh, that went down was uh, I was working on my Billy and Mandy pilot uh, alongside Tom Warburton and Greg Miller and a couple other people. Uh, they ended up doing, you know, Codename Kids Next Door and... Uh, whatever happened to Robot Jones, and we were all kind of working on that together. And then after the first batch of shorts went out, there was uh, because animation takes so long. There was a, a year before 
you know, anyone would make a decision on which of our shows went to series or not. Uh, so we were all there, and we thought Cartoon Network was like, well, do you want to do another pilot? And we all said, sure. Uh, so my second pilot was Evil Concarne, and that was sort of drawing from my childhood love of of G.I. Joe and Transformers and sort of all those old classic uh, Saturday morning action cartoons. Yeah, when I was younger, I didn't I didn't get what Evil Concarne was. Now I see it's like, it's, it's basically G.I. Joe. Yeah, kind of, kind of is. So There's a lot of G.I. Joe in there. Mm-hmm. So how how come they like like did you want them to be like together from the beginning or do you want rather have them split up? Uh, in the beginning, uh, Cartoon Network. Uh, by the time Evil Concarne got done, they were like, okay, we we like Evil, but you know we're gonna put we're gonna take Billy and Mandy to series. And they said, do you want to do both at the same time? And I thought, well, that's because at the time they were doing a lot of middle cartoons. I had just come off of. Uh, Cow and Chicken, and the middle cartoon was I Am Weasel, so the idea was there were three seven-minute cartoons, so the two sort of bookends would be the main show, and then the one in the middle would be something completely different. Uh, so I thought, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give that a try. And in retrospect, I, was, I think it was better when we split them up, uh, just because trying to have two completely different shows with completely different casts is a little rough if you want to do both of them justice. Okay. So, yeah, was it uh, hard to see, like, um, no, Evil Concarne leave way before um, Billy and Mandy survived. Like, uh, no, basically, Evil never really got canceled. Uh, it was just a matter of, you know, I felt like, you know, it was either one show was suffering or another because it was just so much work. And and basically, uh, Cartoon Network decided that they they should be split into separate series. So we had the option of continuing both of them sort of on top of each other at the same time and it just seemed like so much work that uh we said well okay we'll do we'll do one last season of evil and make it the best we can and then we'll just continue with billy and mandy mm-hmm. so how did you get with how did you get involved with the music artists like uh Volteri and uh spf 1000 uh my friend and i used to go to goth clubs uh <laughs> Uh, he had uh, all these friends from Long Beach that would go, and I started going along with him. And uh, I thought Voltaire was hilarious, so uh, he ended up having a show out here. And after the show, I just came over and said, "Hey, uh, I really like your work." And he somehow knew who I was, so we sort of struck up a bit of a friendship over that. Oh, so he was already a fan of Billy and Mandy Voltaire? Uh, yeah, I guess so. What about uh, SPF One Thousand? Uh, they, uh, that was just, they were a band that would, uh, occasionally play the, the same clubs and I ended up, uh, talking to them when we needed a sort of a harder song for one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and any reason why Grimm had a Jamaican accent? Uh, I owe that all to Greg Eagles, the voice actor. Uh, we were auditioning all sorts of people and my original idea was that Grimm was going to be British, and he was going to be sort of like Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. And we actually had Dr. Smith from Lost in Space come in, and, and nobody, it just didn't feel right. And finally, when Greg Eagles came in, he uh, ended up just sort of doing a, a read for fun that sounded sort of Jamaican. And I was like, whoa, do, do more of that. And eventually, I, I sort of fell in love with that take on it. <laughs> and what was your uh, favorite episode? Uh, that's so hard. Uh, it's a good question. Uh, that, that really is tough. Uh, 
I don't know. I have a, a special place in my heart for Ecto Cooler just because uh, I, when you're running a show, you don't often have a, have time to do uh, a lot of your own episodes. So that one was just sort of all me, and I just like that it's uh, it's got Lord Byron in it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. Was there any episodes that were like banned or any jokes that you just couldn't use? Uh, most of the time, the stuff that they wouldn't let through was just sort of silly uh, and didn't make a lot of sense, uh, or was such an obvious throwaway joke that there was, you know, we weren't even really trying. Uh, stuff that comes to mind would be uh, other, well, this is sort of crude, but there was a, just a line where Billy's dad was uh, in the kitchen and there was a giant snake trying to eat him. Mm-hmm. And he said something about uh, how a snake was trying to eat his Bismarck. <laughs> and I guess a Bismarck is one of those uh, bizarre sexual terms you hear on the internet, like uh, donkey punch and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so they were like, no, you can't say Bismarck. And oh, I was like, what, what is the world coming to? <laughs> but it was all kind of stuff like that. There was, uh, you know, as much stuff as it feels like we sort of got away with, like it was all, you know, kind of in good fun. And I think the network was obviously behind most of it because they made it. <laughs> yeah, I think the most impressive thing you got, I think what fascinated me with you got away with was that that time when uh, Irwin's, when Grimm says, don't make me go medieval on your, and Irwin just interrupts with ass, I was saying. Yeah, yeah, There's there were a couple like that where there'd be a little bit of back and forth before we'd, we'd get it through. Sometimes you'd have to, you know, change stuff a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what would you feel is the worst you got away with? The worst? Yeah. Uh, like something I regret? Well, I mean, like like the most vulgar thing you could get, you oh, ever got away with. You feel? Uh, I don't know. I'm blanking on that at the moment. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So, how did these crossovers occur with uh, Kids Next Door? Uh, like I was saying before, uh, Tom Warburton and I were doing our pilots together. So we, uh, you know, we met by the copy machine and sort of developed a friendship uh, that lasted throughout both of our series and when it got toward the end uh cartoon network was really sort of into doing cross-promoting and stuff like that uh, that's where that whole uh special with all the the moon people came from that went across all the different shows but uh right around that that time we both had an episode left we weren't sure what to do with so we thought hey let's let's do a crossover <laughs> so um, could, were you allowed to use any cartoon network or hanna-barbera character uh, when I first started at Cartoon Network, it was Hanna-Barbera, so mm-hmm. Cartoon Network had just bought it, and uh, there was sort of the skeleton crew, and, you know, at that point, we see, it seemed like that we were encouraged to actually sort of use the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Mr. Hanna and Mr. Barbera were still alive, uh, everything was cool, and then uh, gradually, as Warner Brothers sort of took over, and Cartoon Network sort of... I think was trying to develop its own identity. Eventually they went, Hey, stop, stop putting Scooby-Doo and Fred Flintstone in these things, please. <laughs> yes. I'm tired of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Like there was that one time where a uh, Yogi bear showed up and I swear he said, get over here, you little bastard. Uh, no, I think he says basket. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a few things like that. There's something general scar says where everybody always thinks he says shit, but he doesn't. <laughs> Like that's what I want to hear. Is like, did he say? Oh, that? it's it's give me that basket. I think. Yeah, that's what it was. I remember that. But yeah, um, t- tell me about Underfist. Like, what were your plans on Underfist? Had it become like a series? 
Uh, it was just sort of, you know, to continue along the lines of what we set up in the special, which is, you know, just uh, sort of the the major secondary characters as as this monster fighting superhero team and uh, having all sort of the primary characters fall into supporting roles. And, you know, I had ideas for stories and stuff, but wasn't meant to be. Uh, what happened? Why did it not work out? Uh, right, that was right sort of at the end of, of an era for Cartoon Network where, uh, you know, they changed, uh, their parent company changed management, which was Turner, and that rolled over to Cartoon Network. So new people came in and said, hey, we don't really want to do any of this old stuff, which is, you know, why at the same time, you know, Craig McCracken, myself, pretty much everybody ended up leaving Cartoon Network. Uh, and they decided to make live action shows. And that didn't go too well. Nope. Yeah, they went right. They just like came crawling back. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to animation. Please watch us, please. Yeah. And, you know, it took some time, but it worked. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad they're back to doing what they're good at. Yeah. You all, you all moved uh, to Disney. Like, how was that? Uh, you know, there's people that love Disney and they, and they belong there. I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd rather go back to Cartoon Network now or where? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't you know, have anything particularly for or, or against any studio. I think, it, you know, it all depends on who you're working with and what the project is. So anything could potentially be great. But uh, I think the, the sort of style of doing stuff at Cartoon Network was you know, it was just sort of guerrilla warfare and you just did what you did had to do to get it done. Uh, Disney is very much more process-oriented and very much more specific on on the way that they like to do things and, and their their brand is so rock-solid that... You know, it is sort of restricting for for me anyway. Mm -hmm. not, a, not as much creative control, right? So, um, what was the inspiration for Underfist? Uh, I mean, I think it was just the desire to take these these characters that I felt like you know I hadn't spent as much time with as I'd like during the course of Billy and Mandy, and and sort of bringing them into their own in a funny way. Yeah. Okay, and also, uh, when you worked at Disney, uh. <laughs> I really haven't seen much of Fish Hooks, so did you like working on Fish Hooks? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was working with uh, C.H. Greenblatt and Bill Reese and Noah Jones, and there were a lot of fun people on that crew. Oh, that reminds me. Speaking of C.H. Greenblatt, like you worked on uh, Chowder, right? I, uh, you know, I did. I think two freelance boards for Chowder oh. over the course of the series, so I wasn't ever on staff. Oh. It was sort of happening. Uh, while I was doing Underfist and and some other stuff, so I would, it was most of the same crew, so there was a lot of intermingling, but I wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what? Tell me about uh your new project, Dead Meat. Uh, Dead Meat is something completely different for me. It's it's live action. It's got puppets. Uh, it's basically sort of an R-rated buddy comedy action movie with puppets. Uh, sort of a uh, my homage to, to my favorite 80s action movies and also, I guess, sort of a return to sort of Mad Magazine-style social satire with lots and lots of puppet gore. Okay, so it's going to be a violent puppet show. And uh, you're going to have it funded on Kickstarter? Yep, that's the plan. How much? Do, uh, when will the Kickstarter be up? Like, hopefully by the time I upload this video. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I... The page is all done. The video is done. Uh, 
basically it takes three days for Amazon to approve the page and up to seven for them to approve the financial information, which unfortunately I didn't fill out until recently. So could be, you know, this time next week, I'm hoping mm -hmm. at, at the latest. Yeah. And uh, like what's Dead Meat about exactly? Uh, basically, it's, uh, it's about this dog named Dead Meat uh, and his master named uh, James Heckler, a.k.a. Heck. And uh, Heck is a mutant hunter. Dead Meat is a dog, but he's also a mutant. So they have sort of this uh, strained relationship where, you know, Dead Meat has to live on uh, in this beat up old Volkswagen van and, and not show himself for fear of being killed and having his master arrested uh, because being a mutant in this world is not a good thing. Uh, and this, uh, everything changes when uh, another mutant comes between them, and that's the battle priestess Suzuki Jackson, who is uh, sort of this weaponized uh, kick-ass girl uh, who's prophesied to destroy the human race, and Dead Meat falls in love with her, and that sort of forms this, this strange love triangle that threatens to tear the characters apart and possibly the entire world. So... When it's complete, where do you plan on showing it? Uh, the idea is to just, you know, put it up on the internet and get as many people as I can to watch it. Uh, for the Kickstarter supporters, there's going to be uh, some substantial amount of, of additional content that nobody else gets and, and some other perks as well. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be, like, any references to Billy and Mandy or other shows into the, in there? Uh, Billy and Mandy was was very heavy on you know direct sort of cultural references, and I think they're a lot more buried in in Dead Meat. Uh, it's it's I think it's more sort of like Grand Theft Auto in a, in a weird way, where it's it's uh, it's there, but it's you know I you know there's not going to be like a McDonald's. It'll be you know a Mc nuclear Donalds or something. <laughs> That's what I do. I always just like see like a product name and wonder like how would it work if it was like a in a cartoon as a fake name. Right. But anyway, like, uh, I meant, like, will Bi would Billy and Mandy, like, make it a cameo or any appearance? Oh, well, I don't want to spoil any surprises, but uh, who knows? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Also, one more question. Uh, did you ever read the webcomic Grim Tales, which featured your characters? Uh, is that the Bleed Man comic? Or? Yeah, comic. Yes. Yes, I did. I did see some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of it? Uh, that guy can draw like crazy. I, I only wish I could draw like that. Mm -hmm. uh, some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if you know anything about this, but wasn't there something like he tried to, someone tried to sue someone after like Fusion Fall? Oh, no, I don't really know uh, about that. Like he was involved in that or? I don't know. Like someone said that, I don't know, I keep hearing like, the art style for Fusion Fall looked suspiciously close to Blade Man's comic, and I think Blade Man mm. wanted a cut of that. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Uh, okay, then. Well, did you ever play the Billy and Mandy video games? Uh, yeah, I was directly involved in uh, a lot of the creative stuff on most of those. Fusion Fall actually happened right as I was leaving, which is why I don't know as much about it. Mm -hmm. So... So what you think of the game? The uh, game? Yeah, I thought it came out great. It was sort of based on... Uh, I'm having a hard time remembering the name now. Power Stone. But, uh, Power Stone, yes, thank you. Uh, so we, you know, we, I got together uh, with the game company and we sort of talked about you know, what we could do in the time we had and uh, the games that we liked and 
you know, when Power Stone came up, everyone was like, yeah, I like Power Stone. So I thought it'd be fun just, and you know, the nature of the show is the, they're friends, but they're always sort of fighting. So I thought it'd be fun just to have, you know, Billy Mandy Grimm beating each other up. Yeah. I thought it was like one of the best possible video game cartoon adaptations. Oh, but that reminds me, um, was it, was the network iffy on having like Mandy and the whole show just be more negative and, uh, just like a darker tone than everything else on Cartoon Network? No. Uh, the, I mean, like I said, they really did uh, a good job of supporting me and supporting the show uh, until, you know, the the winds changed. And then it, everything that we had done for the last, you know, six years suddenly became a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, what did you... Did you play Punch Time Explosion, the Cartoon Network fighting game? Um, you know what? I got it. Uh, they sent me one for uh, PlayStation, and I don't have a PlayStation, so I, I haven't played it, but I've seen some videos online, and it, it looked cool. Yeah. That was also like one of the few good uh, cartoon-based fighting games, because there's so few of them that are actually any good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I always like it when, you know, all the characters from, like, a network or, you know, like Marvel versus Capcom and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mixing it up. I don't know if you have time to answer this, but you have any favorite video games, then? Uh, yeah, I I do love me some video games. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of the open world stuff. I just like the idea that, you know, I can sort of have my own character can have, you know, his own story. Uh, so I, I really like the Elder Scrolls. Uh, I'm really enjoying Grand Theft Auto right now. Uh, a lot of uh, the people that worked at Cartoon Network and, you know, even some of the executives uh, and I would have Halo Night uh, up until very recently where we were all playing tons of Halo 4. But oh. I'm, I'm game for anything, pretty much. <laughs> Does it ever get in the way of your uh, professional work? Uh, you know, I, I can't really let it do that, so I, I certainly try not to. The, I, I'm sort of on a binge and purge program where with, with anything, it's just like I'll find something I'm into and I'll just do it until my eyes bleed as fast as I can so I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> Uh, I did the same thing with Breaking Bad. Like I avoided watching it for years, and then someone was like, "Well, you have to watch it." And then I watched first three episodes, and I was like, "Oh God!" And then I just mowed through the rest of the series in two and a half weeks or something. You're not going anywhere until it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, did those games or any movies in particular like influence Billy and Mandy? Uh, I mean, Billy and Mandy was was definitely sort of an amalgamation of of everything that I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, from my childhood, so absolutely yes. Like you know, there's so many references and so many little Easter eggs that you know point to different things. It's hard to pinpoint any one yeah, specific thing. Yeah, there was a lot of like horror uh, influences, like like Pinhead who has p- um, bowling pins on his head, and yeah, and even uh, you know, once we got into the series, like the other the board artists and the writers started bringing in more of that stuff themselves, like that. Uh, I can't remember what his name was, but the essentially the pinhead character was the creation of one of the board guys. Okay. Hmm. I'm almost out of questions. Like, hmm, most difficult episode? Uh, if you count, if you want to call it an episode, it would be Big Boogie Adventure for sure, and <laughs> oh, not not just because it was yeah, not just because it was that, but because we had to do it on top of the regular schedule, so. That made it extra challenging. But anything where we had to double up like that, uh, which was usually the specials, would be like Billy and Mandy, Moon the Moon was a big one. Uh, Spider Queen was was particularly rough. That's probably the one. Uh, 
I mean, it's a two part episode, but there was a lot of stuff going on during that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, would you ever want to like cross over? Like, if you had the chance to cross over, like Billy and Mandy or your other par- other works with anything else, would you? Uh, sure. I don't know. It would depend on what what it was crossing with, and if I thought there was any entertainment value in that. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to see Billy, Billy and Mandy with Invader Zim just to see Mandy and Gaz go together. Yeah, stuff like that would be fun. Uh, I think the last sign that's ever going to happen would be Roger Rabbit, but uh, <laughs> maybe, who knows, maybe the networks will all fuse into some mega network in the next 10 years. Okay, and I guess one last question. The origin of Fred Fred Burger. Uh, that, uh, belongs to C.H. Greenblatt. Uh, he came to me one day and said, Hey, I have this idea, uh, for, for a story where it's, you know, sort of Billy's going to move away and, and, uh, Mandy and Billy have to decide, you know, who gets to keep Grimm. So it gets into this lawsuit, but it's mostly about this, this crazy juror. And I was like, okay, just do whatever. Because by that point he'd done so many amazing, hilarious boards that, uh, I just, I had a good feeling about it and, uh, he pitched it, and immediately I was like, okay, you you have to do the voice for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, C.H. Greenblatt, he did the voice, or who? Yes. Oh, okay, the creator Chowder, then. Yep. Oh, and that's all the questions. All right, well, thank you. Yeah, thanks. That, that was... <laughs> Ooh, thanks. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I don't know how to say... Yeah, I don't know, sometimes I just get... Yeah, I'm just very nervous with this. It's okay. Like I, I, I am the worst public speaker in the world. I had to do my uh, every take of my Kickstarter video like fifteen times oh, before man. I was completely ashamed. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I had to do when I had to like record audio. Like sometimes it just doesn't sound right, then I had to redo it over. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a behind the the camera person, or that's the way I preferred it anyway. <laughs> so did you re- did you finish? Let the did you re-record everything for the Kickstarter video? Or what what's going on now? Uh, yeah, it's all, it's finally all done. I just, I had tons and tons of, uh, just technical stuff to deal with. It's, it's been strange because like I'm literally sort of learning on the job. So everything in the video I was learning while I was doing it from, you know, the green screen stuff to After Effects to Premiere and the sound. Oh, so you never like edited or did any video editing at all? Effects? None? Not, not anything substantial. Like, you know, I would... I've put, you know, two clips together here and there, and I've, uh, like, those end cards for Under Fist uh, were done in After Effects, and that's was about the extent of my After Effects business until very recently. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, like, in the credits, there's always a backwards message. What's that? Uh, what What is the message? Yeah. I ain't gonna give that away. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Yeah, so the Kickstarter's up. Oh, I mean, it's almost up until, like, uh, you've... That thing with Amazon clears up. Yep. So, so if people uh, listen to this, they're welcome to come check out my uh, my blog, which is maxwelladams.tumblr.com, and mm-hmm. it'll certainly be up there if it's if the page is up. Okay. I guess I'll hold on to this uh, interview until the Kickstarter's up. Then I'll upload it. Oh, cool. That's good too. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's the end of this interview. Well, thanks. This mm-hmm. was a good interview. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I've never done this interview before. I barely talk to people at Comic-Con. Well, Any maybe I'll be there. People. If I'm ever there, uh, look me up. Mm-hmm. I'll try. Okay, see ya. Yeah, see ya. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.